Happy New Year and happy 2021. We are excited to be back with the EFTA What I Wish I Knew podcast for season two. Um, We have some great guests and interviews for you guys this season, and um, we're excited to dive into more of our young professionals in Montgomery County, but also from across the country. Um, There are some great life lessons. We've got some um, servicemen and women that will be speaking with you guys and answering questions. We will have time within this season to um, have listeners submit questions, and um, we're just really excited to continue to introduce you to young professionals from our community to help inspire you to um, reach your dreams and reach your career goals. So enjoy this episode. For this week's episode, I sit down with Russell Carter, who is a paramedic with the Montgomery County Hospital District. He has been there almost four years, and while there, he has been involved in EMS recruiting, teaching, clinical competitions, um, helping the design of ambulance and very various other work projects. He's currently working on his Bachelor's of Science in Emergency Health Sciences through the University of Texas Healthcare Science Center at San Antonio and holds several several specialty board certifications. Russell's a passionate about out-of-hospital clinical practice, professional development, and general advancement of the EMS profession. On top of being a self-proclaimed and peer-supported EMS nerd, he is a lucky husband and a proud father of two, one currently on the way. In this episode, Russell shares all about how he wanted to go into the military, but due to an issue on his medical records, he was unable to join right out of high school. And then it was his father's health problems growing up that helped him make the decision to go to EMT school and eventually becoming a paramedic. Russell shares stories about his experience as a paramedic, the things he has learned while on the job, and how you have to be resilient in this in your journey. Thank you to Montgomery County Hospital District for all the work that you do to serve our community and our community members. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me on the What I Wish I Knew podcast. Um, We are excited to have you and hear about your journey and story, but also learn more about Montgomery County Hospital District. Um, I've given a little bit of intro at the beginning of the podcast, but I would love to have you um, tell our listeners about yourself coming from Russell Carter, the man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Russell Carter. I'm a paramedic for Montgomery County Hospital District. EMS, um, and I've been with MCHD for about four years now, and EMS uh, for about eight years total. Uh, before coming to Montgomery County, we or I worked in Austin, and then I'm originally from Fort Worth. So I'm not originally from the from the Montgomery County area at all. So I, and I never would have thought I would have ended up here. So it's a big surprise to me, but I'm super happy for for where I am. Um, and then just a little background on MCHD for those that don't really know or those that don't really are familiar with the EMS terminology. So I'll probably go ahead and clarify that right now because common misnomers and everything like that can make it kind of complicated. We have a lot of acronyms. Yeah. Uh, so MCHD is kind of the public health and EMS provider for all of Montgomery County. It's all 1,100 square miles. So on top of the public health, the EMS side, emergency medical services, 
the simple heard that it's, it's the ambulance response. So you had a hospital medical response. Um, we have about 30 ambulances that are mobile intensive care units. It's meaning they have at least a paramedic on there. We pretty much run two paramedics on every truck. And then we run about 80,000 calls a year. So we stay pretty steady, but nothing, in my opinion, nothing crazy. Coming from Austin, it's, it's nothing super crazy, but it depends on who you ask. It's very yeah. subjective. So. <laughs> um. Uh, since joining MSHD, uh, you know, I try and stay busy in the field, but I've also been fortunate to work on other little side projects, uh, kind of just to include you know, some of the recruiting things that we do. Uh, we started a recruiting committee. Uh, that was something I'm super passionate about to try and help uh, people get the same experience that I've had in my EMS career. Uh, I've been involved in our tactical team, I've helped design new ambulances, which is something that I, I definitely wasn't familiar with. And I kind of just opened my ears and closed my mouth and got to learn a lot of cool things. Um, I've gotten to work on our clinical challenge team and do some cool things with that. Uh, help with all kinds of different little initiatives to keep myself busy. So I, I kind of just go to work and find something to do and keep myself busy. And then on top of that, I'm also in school too. So uh, finishing up a bachelor's in emergency health sciences okay. that I'll be done with later this year. Um, that's been actually a ton of fun. You know, I've, <laughs> I've never been a crazy uh, school person until I found EMS and I became very passionate about it. Honestly, pretty nerdy about everything we do from anything, the clinical side, the operational side. It's, it's all super interesting to me. And there's a million podcasts out there to fill your day. Right. How many, and you might've mentioned that, how many years is EMT school? So is that where you went originally? Like that's the, your first schooling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so more terminology, right? So EMS is kind of like the profession itself. So it'd be like saying the fire service or fire department. And then you have different levels of provider within EMS. So EMT or emergency medical technician is kind of the entry level provider of most of the time what you'd find on an ambulance or on a fire engine or something like that. EMT school is about a semester, uh, you know, just either one long semester. You can do it over the summer and nine or 11 weeks. I think I did mine over the summer. That was 11 weeks. And to date, that was probably the craziest 11 weeks of my life because it was just, <laughs> it was every day you're, I was either studying in class at work or on a clinical and it was it was just so busy um but that's essentially emt school and in emt school you're going to learn the basic life support of things uh, cpr you know hemorrhage control bleeding uh, basic airway management uh you know EpiPens, basic overview of emergency medical conditions that you could and probably will encounter if you go work in the fields and then from there, you go on to paramedic school. There is a middle advanced EMT, um, but most of that's just completely integrated into paramedic school. And then par paramedic school itself is kind of a whole nother beast. Uh, it's typically about a year to a year and a half on top of that. Um, and then in paramedic school, you're kind of taking everything you learned in EMT school and diving much, much deeper and then applying advanced level skills on top of that to, you know, intubation or placing in breathing tubes, starting IVs, a lot of different medications, uh, whether that's, 
you know, medications you push through an IV or that's medication you mix into a bag and you have to do math and give it over time. Right. Um, yeah, this uh, electrical therapy for all kinds of things, advanced cardiac arrest, resuscitation, trauma management, different procedures. There's, there's just a lot more to go over and that's why it takes more time. And then there's also a lot more clinical component as well. So while you're in EMT school, you may only go to an emergency department or you may uh, ride on an ambulance, um, you know, for X amount of hours. And then in paramedic school, you're going to do that a lot more, but you're also going to go to a labor and delivery unit to learn how to actually deliver a baby or at least, you know, see it and experience it. So you're not completely deer in the headlights the first time it happens to you. And I've been lucky in eight years. I haven't had to do it. So cross my fingers. Yeah. One of my good friends has done it seven times. Now that you've said it, it's going to be out there. It's going to happen. <laughs> I know. I know. I might've just jinxed myself, but uh, I've been somewhat fortunate outside of my own kid that uh, in clinicals, I haven't necessarily had to encounter it yet. That stresses a lot of us out, yeah. um, but you'll go to labor and delivery. You'll go to intensive care units of all kinds of uh, different units, whether that's trauma, cardiac, to encounter the sickest of the sick in those patient populations. So whenever you do have them in the field, you're more familiar with how to stabilize them mm -hmm. and you know treat them long-term. Uh, you can also go to psychiatric units. You can go to, I, I got the unique opportunity to go to like a poison control unit. Some people go to burn units. Uh, it, it gets very diverse from there. And oh, uh, the OR, the operating room is a very big component of that. You go and learn airway management. So you'll go and follow around an anesthesiologist or a nurse anesthetist. So those are the ones that'll kind of put you under and trace your uh, breathing tubes during your surgery. So we get to go and follow them around and uh, be more accustomed and get experience in doing those procedures. So once we do go in the field and we're fully fledged paramedics, you know, working under the, the not prime conditions of an operating room, you know, in the back of an ambulance or someone's living room, we're more familiar with that and we're much more comfortable, but we also train on all this pretty frequently. So. Yeah. I mean, you know that, like, I know that that's something that you guys need to know and be familiar with, but it's just, it, it, it's just all the training and all the different areas that you get to experience. Like if you are a student going into medical school and you're picking um, labor and delivery or something along those lines, that's pretty much what you focus on. But you kind of, you guys have gotten a, you get a wide range just because you never know what it's going to be right. behind the ball. And so that, that makes sense now that I hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it definitely, it's definitely a lot and it definitely feels like a lot. And then at the end of the day, honestly, it's, it's just amazing. You know, sometimes we, we walk out of the, you walk out of paramedic school, you pass your national registry and, you know, it's, it's about an associate degree to become a, a paramedic. It's, you know, definitely the recommendation that's probably the direction our, our field is heading. You can just get certified, but it's going to take you about that same time. So the associate's degree will take you about an extra semester of, you know, just like anatomy and physiology, things mm -hmm. like that. But by the time you're done with all that, you know, you feel so accomplished and you come out into the field, like I'm ready to do this, you know, I, I can intubate anyone in any condition and I know all these drugs and I can deliver 13 babies at the same time and blah, 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 right? And then you quickly realize how much you don't know yeah. Uh, you know, and then you talk to your medical directors or you take a patient to the ER and you talk to the doctors there. And it's just amazing to, to learn so much. You know, it's a constantly learning. Yeah. And I, 
Yeah, I think that's also with any job, like we go through schooling to be an attorney or a marketing director or run a nonprofit. And it's not until you're in, in the seat and walking in and out of the door every day that you're like, okay, like I learned, I learned the, the educational and the practical things, but not like what to do in like a regular day. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. There are, I know we have a number of listeners and students that participate in our programs that um, have expressed interest in wanting to um, become an EMT or a paramedic, or they've gone through our internship program and have been able to work with Montgomery County Hospital District um, paramedics and staff. What what do you feel like you were being called to whenever you selected um, this path in becoming a paramedic and working in that sort of environment? Well, I'll definitely say that, you know, for those that are looking to enter the medical field, there's, you know, much like actually practicing whatever you're going to be doing. um, There's so much out there that you you don't really realize, you know, everyone always thinks of the medical field as nursing or going to medical school to be a physician, all those things. There are so many hidden gyms out there and obviously I'm biased, but I'm going to call EMS a a special, I'm going to call it a special gym because of everything we get to do and, and where we get to do it. You know, everything from you know, sonography and x-rays and physician assistants and um, literally any other respiratory therapy, any other field in the medical field. There are so many things out there. So if you're really interested in uh, joining the medical field, really explore your options and mm-hmm. see what you're truly interested in. Because one of those hats might not fit you well. I know definitely if I had to <clears throat> um, work with some of those things, I, I would probably go crazier. I wouldn't be the best at it or I wouldn't be the most interested, but what are, where I get to do right now, I d- I'm definitely fortunate that I found the fit that I did at such a young age when I was 19 and I started doing all this yeah. and I'll be 27 in two days. So <laughs> going on almost, I'm getting up there yeah. in my experience, but um, I definitely wasn't really too familiar with EMS whenever I was younger and in high school. Uh, my dad was a sickly individual and we did have to call you know, the fire department out to come evaluate him. And that's really kind of all I thought about it though, was just they came out did a few things and maybe go to the ER. And that's kind of the general consensus, even, you know, whether it's even students that are in school to the general public, because they don't realize how much we really can do for our patients and mm-hmm. for the population health as a whole. Um, so I honestly wasn't really sure um, and my original goal out of high school was actually joining the military. I tried joining uh, the day after I turned 17 with parent consent, you know, tried to march mom and dad down to the recruiting center. And that went about as good as you can expect. Yeah. Not well. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wanted to do whatever, you, you know, I, I thought I wanted to do some cool guy stuff, jump out of planes. And, but, you know, the whole job was kind of built around search and rescue. And part of that was, going to paramedic school and being highly trained medical providers. So after all that ended up not working out, um, one, it taught me a lesson of resilience because I fought it for about 16 months. There were, you know, they said I had like a childhood asthma condition that was actually misdocumented in my paperwork and I couldn't get it corrected. So um, it was definitely a gut check as an 18 year old, right? When you're a 17, 18 year old, when you fight for something for so long and all your friends are doing it, you know, you feel like you're kind of, your life is over, but you know, I was fortunate. I was able to kind of recollect myself and think, well, what do I do now? You know, and I remembered, well, I go to paramedic school. 
And I started kind of looking into that EMT school and whatnot. Um, and I was with my dad in an ER one day and a paramedic student comes in, you know, it's kind of practicing his assessment, doing an EKG, things like that. And I started picking his brain a lot. And that kind of helped push me down that path. And I was fortunate that there was a, a program nearby, you know, in the Houston area, we have so many, um, you know, back home in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, there are, there are definitely a few, but I somehow managed to land right in the middle of pretty much all of them. So it was about a 45 minute drive, no matter which direction I, I left. Um, but I took a semester of essentially prereqs of general classes um, and, you know, that was good is what it is. And then I started on uh, EMT school for the summer and then I had a, a break and then uh, started paramedic school the following the following fall. Um, so I, I definitely think for, for my background of seeing my dad that was sick, that definitely helped give me a, a little bit of insight on being on the patient perspective of things. Um, and then I think the the want to be in the field and practice field medicine that the military kind of gets to do is kind of helped made me look into maybe uh, EMS as opposed to going down into the uh, maybe in the in-hospital environment. You know, if we're out of hospital, refer to that as in-hospital environment. So because I know when I initially first ever started looking into the medical fields, I was, I think, in eighth grade and I figured out what an anesthesiologist was and I was like, oh, cool. You know, they make someone pain-free during surgery that can fix a problem and, you know, they kind of control you know, a lot of their, their vital signs and they put them on the ventilator. That seems like interesting work. Yeah. Uh, and started kind of researching that. And I saw the length of residency and everything. And I was like, and the cost of school. And I was like, that, that's an interesting side to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's honestly what kind of pushed me even towards the, the military was like, well, this will help pay for school. Um, kind of go from there and then I got I just got hooked on the idea of practicing field medicine and you know we kind of have a common saying of in the field of once you start working in the field you get quote-unquote bit by the bug uh -huh. there's plenty of people that you know go to paramedic school and EMT school just to get experience to go to medical school or, or uh, physician assistant school uh, whatever the case might be um, and then they they get here and then they don't want to leave because they enjoy it so much so and I, I definitely kind of feel like I fall into that boat so yeah awesome well you mentioned your clinicals and kind of the the steps you have to take after endearing school but did you do anything along the way or did you have anybody as far as like mentors and cheerleaders kind of that helped prepare you for I know you've mentioned kind of you're growing up and the experiences that you had with your dad kind of helped prepare and selecting the career and being on, I like what you said about being on the patient side, being able to kind of empathize when right. you're with someone, but did you have anybody that kind of helped prepare you um, to enter into this field? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, beforehand, uh, going through school or anything, other than the, the support, I was dating my my now wife at the time. So we've been together quite a while. Uh, you know, she's always been supportive in everything I've done, but none that really gives you the, the insight of the job and the insight of the, the medical perspective and the challenges you encounter in medicine in general, regardless of what level you practice at. 
there's always going to be challenges. My best mentors came once I actually entered the field. Um, once I started working in Austin, I had a really good friend who's I'm still good friends with today. And he's probably what I consider my first mentor. And <clears throat> you know, he was one that after every call would help try and break things down for me or would pick my brain in the middle of a call when I freeze up or give me scenarios when we're sitting at the station. And when I'm just trying to eat lunch, you know, ask me, well, what's this? What's that? Like, I don't know. Can I just eat my spaghetti? Because that's what I'd like to do right now. Uh, so he he's, was definitely an early on mentor. And again, someone I still talk to this day, he was even, you know, he's impactful in every sense, not just the job, but, you know, the work-life balance of, of medicine in general is, can be definitely straining at times to balance your love and passion for medicine because you really have to be passionate about it. This is a always changing field. You're gonna have to be a lifelong learner. Um, you know, there can be a lot of stresses with it. There can be a lot of weight that's put on your shoulder, shoulders, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you're passionate about it, it, it you know, you do it with a smile kind of thing and you're happy to do it. Um, but he helped me balance out the, the life side of it, of, you know, what to really do on your days off and, you know, don't let this job consume your whole life. Right. Like, you know, be passionate about it and be prideful, but there's so much out there you have to do, you know, you work to live, not live to work in a sense. And, uh, so, you know, reminded me to take vacations and spend time with my then girlfriend and fiance. Um, and then, pretty much throughout my entire career, I've, I've been able to, I've been fortunate to have good mentors. And that's something I always encourage all of my students to have, uh, whether I'm doing, you know, a recruiting event for those that are still in school or those that are writing out with me as a preceptor or those that are writing out with me as a new employee, that how important it is to find someone that you can, do you kind of just mesh with and talk to, bounce ideas off their head. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I had this call once. What do you think about this EKG? You know, what do you think about this article? Is it silly or not? You know, it's so just crucially important to have that. And uh, I've had I've had several that uh, that are that are great. You know, I, I several people on my phone that I can go I can text right now and not have an issue with getting a response back. So. Yeah, that's good, and that's good to be able to to say that and to continue to have them even if you aren't living in the same city or you're not working with them every day, still being able to have those people to go back to, um, I think is a really, um, it's, it's a good blessing to have. So we are gonna take Absolutely. a short, we're gonna take a short break. For the spring semester of 2021, we are excited to bring back our Distinguished Speaker Series. This series is for local high school students to log in, join us via Zoom, to hear from leaders from companies in our community, but also companies from across the country. These sessions will take place twice a month on the first and third Thursday of every month from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. To learn more details and to register in advance, visit the EFTA website, www.efta us.org and click on our virtual speaking events. Um, you can find the details about our podcast, but also the details about our distinguished speaker series for the spring semester. We look forward to having you join us.
Are you a current junior in Montgomery County looking for an internship this summer? Well, apply for the EFTA Online Student Internship Program. What is an online internship program, you ask? Well, accepted students will be required to attend virtual career panels, skill building workshops, and be able to participate in a mentorship program with a professional from your desired industry. Applications are now available on the EFTA website and due April 2nd. You can find all of the details, all of the requirements on the student internship um, student applicant page that can be found at www.efta-us.org. We look forward to having you apply. All right, welcome back. We are speaking with Russell Carter, who is a paramedic at the Montgomery County, with Montgomery County Hospital District here in, um, well, Montgomery County, it's in the name. So um, <laughs> what we kind of learned a little bit about you and um, the schooling that's required. And um, I love what you said about being a lifelong learner within, I think that can be applied to anybody, but I definitely understand it within the medical field just because there's new things coming up all the time. I mean, just oh, yeah. the last year. So um, <laughs> what would you say has been your proudest moment so far um, while working? You know, when you send me these questions, I actually had to turn to my wife and ask like, hey, what do I get like most excited about? <laughs> um, because, you know, as you heard earlier, I mean, I kind of try and do a lot and I stay busy and there's even things I do outside of MCHD that are EMS related. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm an EMS nerd. So I get excited about all the stuff and try and get involved where I can, when I can. <coughs> um, so she kind of brought out or brought up the point that kind of all the admin operational things I've been able to do, uh, probably the proudest one being our, our recruiting committee, um, when I started MCHD, there wasn't really a ton of recruiting efforts, and I was honestly blown away by the organization. Um, so for those that don't really aren't really super familiar with MCHD in general, it's it's a nationally recognized EMS service, and I'm very thankful to be here. But you know, between the the data that's published and research and the funding that we have and the clinical practice that we do in the field, it's we do some really kind of cutting edge things that aren't being done across the country. Um, which people may not think about, you know, in, in Conroe, you know, seemingly sometimes feel like small town Conroe, right. uh, where the service we're able to provide is really amazing. Um, so I've been very fortunate about my time there. It's taken care of me. It's taken care of my family. It's kind of everything that I've wanted in an EMS career because EMS can be so dynamic from department to department. So whenever we started the recruiting committee, uh, it was something that was honestly me and you know, you and I were talking about technology beforehand. Someone else, a good friend of mine that helped me out a ton on the technology aspect. He's great at everything he's done. He started his own kind of committee project thing now, but he none of it would have happened without him. And then we had kind of a, uh, a chief level liaison that was kind of over us to help make sure we didn't drown and didn't know what we didn't know. So we, when we started the recruiting committee, that was a super big passion of mine because it enabled us to take all these newer providers or people who weren't even providers yet and say, hey, just so you know, whenever you're entering the field, this is the type of service that you deserve, right? You've worked hard for probably two years worth of school and, you know, you deserve to have 
you know, this level of clinical practice and you deserve to be treated like this as far as salary and benefits, you deserve to be treated like this with, um, you know, especially during the, you know, the COVID crisis has, has been a, has been a good highlight of that, of who's really being taken care of or not. And there hasn't really been a time where I've, I've been really concerned about what's being done for me or my family. Um, so, you know, being able to see that committee start from nothing and grow into having a budget and bringing people into the, par the department that, you know, when I talk to them initially, they're so excited to start their EMS career. And I can see that they're going to be a, a great individual to have a, a great asset in the department. And then they join and how happy they are. And I can tell that it's, you know, it's done a lot for their family and their family's happy. Maybe they move to the area or whatever the case may be because we recruit all over the state. Uh, when I see that, it kind of makes you reflect on my story and how happy I am to be here. So that that is kind of the, the long answer. Um, and then if there is one item though, if there is one single thing, um, it would definitely have to be a clinical challenge that we did at a, at a conference. So uh, the recruiting committee is definitely kind of a broad thing, but one single instance was this clinical challenge at EMS World 2019 and at EMS World is kind of this, I think it's the biggest EMS conference in the world. I think there's 60, 108,000 people that go there. It's a lot of people, a lot of vendors, a lot of different providers from all over the place. Uh, and right before we went, we knew of this clinical competition that was going on. Uh, my friend, Justin and I, who's, who's kind of the one that helped me start the recruiting committee, you know, we were talking about, I was like, oh man, I really hope our medical director, Dr. Dixon, doesn't sign us up for this because he kept kind of throwing little hints in there about like, oh, guys, don't you want to do this? And we'd kind of, you know, smile and nod, but deep down scream no, right? Uh, he wants to be recorded while you do this in front of thousands of people, not me. So, you know, coming down to the last few days of us leaving, uh, we're getting packed up and then we got signed up. I'm not sure what point. I think we found out the morning that we were literally driving to New Orleans for the conference. So he and I were kind of giving this huge surprise, screaming internally, you know, what are we going to do? Because we watched some of the, the prior videos that we could find. And, you know, and then we start thinking about the most obscure medical conditions they could have, you know, the less than 0.11111% of people have this medical condition, you better be able to diagnose in the field. So, you know, we're, we're diving into the deep end of the craziest possibilities that could happen. Um, and we get there and outside of uh, doing a few kind of tabletop scenarios with our medical director, Dr. Dixon, uh, which were helpful and uh, talking a little bit in the Tahoe on the way there. We didn't really go over too much, but one big benefit that he and I did have is he and I uh, were partners uh, for a while, uh, about a year beforehand. So not only were we good friends, we had worked together before. So we kind of had that working bond. And he even actually wrote out before he worked with us as a student with me on an ambulance and another friend on the ambulance. Um, so he'd kind of seen how, how we do things. He knows how I work, I know how he works. So we had, we had that benefit going into it. So, you know, we actually ended up winning this clinical competition. Um, and it was, it was just an amazing feeling because it was one unexpected, you know, four days prior. And then, uh, but to go up against, I think it was like 20 something other teams, uh, one of which were some people I really looked up to in Austin and I still look up to them. They're fantastic, smart medics. So I like to think we got super lucky because <laughs> uh, I, I know this providers are so intelligent. 
Um, you know, and, and the last little, you know, you, I was joking earlier about delivering babies and everything, how much I really, I honestly really don't want to do that as much as like a beautiful experience as it is. I really just don't want to do that in the field. If I could, you know, just not do one thing, that's probably it. Uh, and the last scenario was a, was a baby that was of course being delivered. And before we walked into the room, we're checking off our gear and I drop something out of the bag and I pick it up confused. And the, one of the graders is like, oh, that's your obstetrical kit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, we better not need this. Oh no. And, laughing. and I put it back in the bag and I walk in and then they have, you know, a person who's playing a patient in labor. And I just like take a big sigh. <laughs> there was someone that was one of our chiefs that was there, was taking pictures of us and taking videos. As I walked into the room, you're gonna see the drop on my face. Of, like, white, you're, yeah. <laughs> a delivery, no. Um, but it, it went so well, and I have to credit Justin for you know helping keep me together and the communication that we maintained about the whole thing. But that was that was a big proud moment, and you know, thank you for. For all my mentors, you know, mentorship is a big thing for, for me, I kind of felt like kind of like an accumulating event of all the mentorship that I've had, you brought up into that, everything I've been taught, you know, if you're passionate about what you do and you train on a lot, you can kind of relax, be confident in yourself and just do the best you can do. And things worked out for us. Yeah. And uh, we we're supposed to go to EMS Europe and go to a competition there against a bunch of EMS doctors, because in Europe, they use doctors on ambulances on most, most countries. And that didn't happen because of COVID, oh, but no. no, we're still going to go at some point. I don't care when we're still going to go. <laughs> keep your name on the list and yeah, <laughs> a redo. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to make it happen because we were already planning what we're going to do around the, you know, let's go to this country. Let's go here. Let's go there. Yeah. You know? oh. Well, that's, I, I, I just love your stories. Um, <laughs> you've got great stories and um, I, I know that we've mentioned in the past that our listeners are uh, high school age students. So what would you, and I feel like there are some little, I call them little nuggets that we take away in the podcast. And I feel like you've already said a bunch, but what is the one thing that you would go back and tell your 17, 18 year old self? <sighs> so I asked my wife, one of the, you know, the last question, but I asked probably 10 people this question because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much time I have to, you know, I feel like I could, we could do a whole podcast on this, just this alone. Um, you know, thinking back to where I was at 17, right. <clears throat> I kind of told everyone earlier that I was dead set on joining the military. All my friends were doing it. My whole heart was in that, right. That was, that was everything I wanted to do at that point in my life. And not being able to do that kind of felt like my whole fate was decided. So if I did go back and tell myself one thing, it's, probably that life is just getting started and that your fate has not been decided yet, right? So you have a whole life ahead of you and this is just one, one, one step in time. Uh, it's, you know, you're gonna go through many ups and downs uh, with some very major life events being completely out of your control, but these things happen for a reason, in my opinion. You know, even if you can't see it right away, they, they tend to happen for a reason. You know, for me, me not, being able to, to do what I initially thought I was going to do enabled me to have the career that I've had, the, all the benefits, the stories that I've been able to have, the great experiences. Uh, I'm married now. I have a one-year-old son. I have uh, a second child on the way. You know, I, I wouldn't trade my wife and family with the world. So it ended up being the best thing that could have ever happened to me. 
Um, on top of that, I would definitely tell myself just to relax. <laughs> you yeah. need to relax and honestly be open-minded and, and count your blessings about everything. You know, it's uh, don't compare yourself to others. You're on your own timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's up to you to figure out what's going to be happy. And just because this person is, is doing whatever, it doesn't mean you need to follow that same path. Right. And it doesn't mean you won't follow that same path. There's there's so much that could happen that you may not realize will happen in the future. And if you would have told me at that time that I'd be living in Houston right now, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have told me I was going to move to Austin, I would have said, that sounds pretty cool, but probably not. You know, uh, if you'd have told me I you know, had any of this career, I, I would have just said, man, I must have done something right. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thankful for everything that's happened to me, but really be open-minded. Mm-hmm. And that's something that my father-in-law instills in me all the time is, um, you never know really what's going to end up, where you're going to end up, the experiences you're going to have. Uh, you know, you don't know if you'll be doing the same line of work in two years. You don't know what kind of opportunities you'll fall into. Uh, so just just think about that, um, and then you know, try and be resilient whenever you are, uh, you know, going about the the journeys that you are. You know, always kind of strive for excellence in what you're doing. Don't try and cut corners on things you know, really kind of trying to do your best. I know whenever I was a senior, I had really bad senioritis because I I definitely thought I was trying to, I was still going to, I was still trying to get in the military and I was like, ah, no, I don't, I don't need this. I'll I'll handle this later, right? I'll do four years and I'll get out and and go to college and everything. So I had some bad senioritis when in reality, right? When I started school, I was like, hold on. It's been a while since I've had to really focus on writing a solid paper. So (laughs) just keep your skills up and strive for excellence in everything that you do no matter what it is. And then when you get knocked down, just be resilient and bounce back, be open-minded and be thankful that you even have that. Um, another good lesson for, for my, for my father-in-law is kind of bounces that goes back to the, uh, the be open-minded concept is when you're planning out your future, I know I always think ahead, I think five, 10 years ahead. And I, you know, rather than th- thinking about tomorrow, I've always tried thinking of it as, you know, setting it in stone and I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm failing, right? And that is 100% not the case, right? So when you draw your map of life, write it with, draw it with a pencil with the biggest eraser you can possibly find and don't use a chisel and a piece of stone because chances are, like I said, things are gonna happen under your control and you're gonna have to remap a lot of your plans. This doesn't mean you're not gonna get there it just means, you know, you just need to be flexible in what you're going to do and stay happy. Um, and that's, you know, th- those are some of the, definitely the biggest things um, that I would have to say. So, yeah. <laughs> as far the, as it was. Yeah, I love the map, um, the map of your life in a pencil. I, yeah, that just makes, it puts it into a good visual because I am also the type of person where it's like, if it's not, if I put it on my five year and it hasn't happened, like I have failed, like, what am I doing? And so, or like 2020 hits and then we have a snowstorm and then like all these things, you never know what is going to, what's going to happen. The only (laughs) thing I I honestly probably got right was for some reason, I always thought I was going to have a kid at 25, you know, be married and have a kid. And I had that, you know, I had my first son when I was 25. Um, you know, so, and like I said, my wife and I met whenever we were in high school um, and we 
fought to make our relationship work despite living in different cities for about a three hour distance. So, you know, be determined, be resilient on those things. And then, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, she's my wife now and, you know, father of, of two or father of one with one on the way. So yeah. father of two. So very, I'm very, very fortunate. You know, and I wouldn't, I didn't call anything else. I just somehow got lucky with that one. It was kind of, I was, you know, I, I played a numbers game on that. <laughs> well, great. Thank you. All right, so we like to end um, all of our podcasts with just a little bit more detail about you, maybe just something interesting about yourself or funny stories or anything just to kind of end on a, on a laugh. What, this, this question came from some of our high school students who wanted to know if like funny and fun things happen while in continuing education and in college and things like that. So do you have a funny story from college or when you were in schooling anytime after high school that you would like to share with our listeners? There are uh, definitely many fun and funny times that, uh, that come about, right? So for EMS, you know, when you start EMT, it's like a program, right? When you start paramedic school, it's a program. So you're with those people for however long that program was. For me, paramedic school was, was a year and a half. There was some breaks in there with me moving and everything but in general for it was about a year and a half um so everyone has their funny stories that you hear back from clinicals no matter how stressed out you are or you have a test that day there's always something funny going on in the class or in the hall room or whatever you know whether a silly thing you said whatever the case would be i think the uh probably this probably the funniest thing that happened to me it was probably embarrassing at the time but uh you know i still i still think i have a baby face to this day um, I have a lot of gray hair, yeah, you know, so everyone jokes I look 50 from the back and 15 from the front. So that's, that's kind of one of the good jokes for me. Uh, but when I was 19 or 20 in paramedics, I guess it was probably 20, um, you know, we were doing our operating room rotations. And as I said earlier, you're following around an anesthesiologist to practice airway management. Um, I was wearing a mask, right? And I felt so cool you're wearing the surgical scrub get up and maybe you have some little booties on you're wearing a mask you know yeah. you feel you feel like a doctor right so you're walking around but I was falling around the sentences y'all just to meet every patient for the day and after about two cases he kind of turns back to me and it's like hey you know you really need to take your mask off it's not personable for these patients they need to have confidence in you you need to build patient rapport and you know blah 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 so he kind of gets on to me I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, if some guy came in, he was putting me under, I'd probably want to see his face, right? That hopefully I can remember and say, hey, you made my, you know, what'd you mess up? So I took my mask off and went to the next room a little bit early so I could, you know, practice my assessment before he gets in there. And, uh, you know, the guy was a little hesitant, right? Some people are always a little bit hesitant with students, especially when they look a little bit young. Uh, so I, I did my whole assessment and everything and the guy let me do it because, you know, there's no pain in me asking questions and touching here, listening here. It is what it is. So then the anesthesiologist comes in and goes over the anesthesia care plan. And as we're kind of leaving, we head out. I was like, okay, well, again, my name is Russell and I'm a paramedic student. So I'll be placing your breathing tube for the procedure. You know, and he about jumps up out of the bed and is like, you're going to do what? <laughs> no, you're not this isn't a high school program and, you know, just starts kind of going off and, you know, I, I probably turned super red and he's super anxious at this point and the, the doctor can't calm him down. Easy, easy, easy. Everything's going to be okay. Look, you know, 
we have a room filled with experienced providers, blah, blah, blah. And we walk out of the room and we start kind of walking away. And there's a little bit of an awkward silence for a few seconds. And the doctor turns to me and it's like, okay, you can put your mask back on. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so this is separate with the, uh, the baby face. Yeah. We'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. We'll get through it. So, yeah, so the Doogie Hauser jokes are always common. I didn't know who Doogie Hauser was until I started paramedic school. And then I had to go back and look. I'm like, really? A show from like 1989 through well, and I saw you put that on the like the notes for our, like free podcast and you wrote like and I was like I don't know if our listeners are gonna know who that is like that that might have to be a google search or like ask your parent at the dinner table who's Doogie Hauser. <laughs> yeah I had to go home like I was like mom who's Doogie Hauser? like everyone kept calling me Doogie Hauser. I don't understand who this is and you know she laughed like oh it's you know a child doctor <laughs> you yeah. know tv show and everything like that and i was like oh well. yeah. listeners just google it i'll put it in the show notes so you know how to spell it and you'll be good <laughs> and i guess it's a compliment on, on right? some level but yeah. <laughs> most people would kill to yeah still look young <laughs> all right well, yeah well russell thank you so much for joining me i enjoyed learning about you i enjoyed learning about montgomery county hospital district we they are big supporters of EFTA. They're big supporters within our community. So I feel like I knew a lot about and I learned a lot more about um, it as an organization. And so um, we just thank you for the work that you do daily um, for our community and for your patients. Um, we thank Montgomery County Hospital District for their support within our community, especially on the efforts of COVID and COVID vaccines and all of that that you guys are working tirelessly every day to um, help better Montgomery County. Students, if you'd like to learn more about EFTA and the programs that we offer both virtually and in person, you can visit us at www.efta-us.org. Russell, thank you so much again. Um, happy early birthday. Congratulations on baby number two. And um, I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person one day. Yes, thank you. Likewise, I greatly appreciate it.